Entrepreneur on Fire 801. Every day that you are not living out what you think that you should be doing is a wasted day of your life. What are you waiting for? Tickets to a rocket ship? Well, here you go and hang on tight as John Lee Dumas is about to take you on a wild ride. Ignite. As entrepreneurs, we work incredibly hard to create amazing content. Don't risk it all being lost because you don't have it backed up. Backblaze Online Backup can help. Listeners can get a free trial at backblaze.com slash fire. Having experience these days is priceless. More than 900,000 design projects have passed through the doors at 99designs. That's expertise. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. Who's ready to rock today, Fire Nation? John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our feature guest today, Catherine Hoke. Catherine, are you prepared to ignite? Yes, I am. Oh, right. <laughs> Driven by her hatred for injustice and love for the underdog, Catherine left behind a career in venture capital and private equity to pursue a higher calling. In 2010, she founded Defy Ventures, an organization dedicated to transforming the hustle of formerly incarcerated individuals and equipping them to go legit. Catherine, I've given Fire Nation just A little insight. So share more about you personally and expound upon the biz. French-Canadian born, California raised for the most part, um, but live in New York City right now. Used to work in venture capital and private equity. And after being invited on a prison visit at the age of 26, saw that many of the biggest underdogs in America happen to have rap sheets. And many of them are right there behind prison bars. And I asked myself the question when I met them the first time, what would happen if they were equipped to go legit with their skills. And that led me to start my first nonprofit, which is based in Texas. And Defy Ventures is my second nonprofit. It's my 2.0 attempt to scale something nationally to make a difference uh, for this very overlooked talent pool. Well, this is exciting stuff, Catherine. And I think that if Defy Ventures wasn't available, a great name for your business could have been Equipped to Go Legit. I just love that flow. I might, I might change it now. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, whoa, I do like that. She's like on GoDaddy trying to buy the domain. So Catherine, we're going to dive into your journey. We're going to do a really a deep dive and uncover some cool things that you've experienced throughout your life. But before we get into that, you have a pretty, I want to call it mantra slash saying, just like more like belief that you're going to share with Fire Nation today. So go ahead and share that. Sure. I like to ask people, what would it be like if you were only known for the worst thing that you've ever done? This is the story and the challenge that we face for people with criminal histories. And it turns out that nearly one in four Americans has a criminal history, and most of them are not known for who they are today. They're permanently known for the mistakes that they made yesterday. And I know that other entrepreneurs and leaders, we've all made many mistakes. And uh, so I like to ask that, that question as I frame the discussion for the work that I do. I mean, Catherine, let's be honest with ourselves here. Anybody that's listening to this podcast right now, you're, you're going to kind of cringe if you actually pictured just being labeled for the worst thing that you've ever done. Because, you know, this is life. I mean, we've all been through the ups. We've all been through the downs. We've all done things we're not proud of. I mean, I can definitely raise my hand in that category here. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really, when you, when you put it that way, Catherine, it makes me say, man, like, is it really fair that these incarcerated people 
do have that label, yet people, you know, like myself and others that might be listening, who, you know, of course have done some things we're not proud of, are able to kind of skate by without that. So food for thought, food for thought, Fire Nation, as we dive forward here. And Catherine, Entrepreneur on Fire is kind of a unique podcast where we interview entrepreneurs and we don't just talk about like why you're a rock star. I mean, we're going to get to that. Believe me. We got some awesome things to share there, by the way. Little teaser. We also share your journey and the not just the successes, but the low points, the failures, the struggles. And that's where I want to start today, Catherine. So take us to a time in your journey when you did fail, when you did struggle and really take us down to that ground level. I want to be there, Catherine. Take it away. Okay. I'm, I would consider myself an expert in failure. <laughs> um, <laughs> the lowest point of my life was about five years ago. And I mentioned that Defy Ventures is my second nonprofit that I've started. So my the failure story that I'll that I'll talk about was one that took place between the starting of my first uh, nonprofit and the second one. So um, when I was 26, I was invited on that prison visit, and I started an organization in Texas called Prison Entrepreneurship Program, or PEP, which still exists today and is extremely successful there. And you know, when I started it, everyone said, "Oh, this is impossible. This could this won't happen." And over the next five years, I ended up leading that organization to achieving some of the country's best recidivism rates and statistics in this sector that is typically marked by failure. So five, five years that looked really good, um, that were a real struggle for me as an entrepreneur. But then at the end of that five years, I, um, I ended up uh, making some really poor decisions. So I was married the first time when I was 22 years old. I'm 37 now. Um, and when I was 31, I was divorced and it was um, unexpected. It came unexpectedly for me. I had poured my life into the building up of my organization. I had missed many opportunities to to be a wife. And in the wake of my divorce, I made some really bad decisions that I regret to this day. I ended up having some relationships with people who uh, had been graduates of my program and had been released from the prison system. And uh, although it wasn't against the law, it was a really bad judgment call. It was uh, just a terrible choice and decision. And um, in after making those decisions, one thing that I did well, although it was very hard, was that I was really honest about my choices and my decisions. And my honesty about these relationships um, led to a very public resignation process. The news uh, picked it up. The Texas Department of Criminal Justice told me that if PEP wanted to keep going, that I had to resign. It was a fairly easy choice for me to make because I wanted my organization to be able to live on, even if I wasn't able to lead it anymore. Um, but when the news picked it up, it went across national news and then even glo out globally. And I was covered in the thickest shame of my life. And, you know, I had been asking this question, what would it be like if you were known for the worst thing that you've ever done for years? And now this all of a sudden applied to me. And I mean, I was, I was divorced. I was broke. I didn't have my organization anymore that I, so much of my identity had come from these things. And I think the worst part for me was that I was visionless. And I imagined that, you know, what, what would people be saying about me and that no one would give me the time of day. And, um, shortly 
after this news went out. Um, I also, around the same time that the news went out, I sent a letter. We had 7,500 supporters at the time, and I sent them a very full disclosure letter about my mistakes. And I thought that was the end of my life. And the the big surprise for me in that was that I got within 24 hours, like um, a thousand emails of love and we stand with you. And you've talked about second chances for so long that, you know, we want to be there for you. Um, The problem is I didn't have an answer because this all happened so suddenly that I hadn't planned about planned what I was doing next. So I took a year off to get more therapy than I care to admit and to get my life back on track and to really think about what I wanted to do next. And I moved back to New York City uh, because it's my favorite city in the world. I needed to get some energy back into my life. Um, And I, I got an offer to go back into venture capital. But the minute that I got that offer, I felt like a sellout because I know very well like what my calling is. And although I had messed up and I had messed up so publicly and was so covered in shame. I feel the times when I've had the most joy in my life or when I was talking about the redemption stories of people who were behind bars and seeing them reconnect with their families and seeing them get a second chance, start defy again. But when I started my first journey in Texas PEP versus when I started defy in New York, it was even harder starting to find New York because as a second time founder, I know all the things that can go wrong. And I made way more mistakes than just the ones that, you know, the news chose to write about. I know how many, how hard it is to start something. And I was insecure and wondering what people would say. So I, when I started Defy in 2010, it was a real challenge and a struggle for me because I had to get over myself. So Catherine, what I do want to jump in here and talk about is, A sentence that you said that really resonated with me, and I don't want it to go too long before we talk about it for a second, because I know that our listeners, Fire Nation, are going to get so much from this. You know, you said you were broke, you were shamed, and the worst part, you were visionless. And Fire Nation, why that's so powerful to me and why that just resonates with my core is because you can be broke, you can be shamed. And you can come back from that. But what really is terrifying, especially for people that have the entrepreneurial blood like Catherine, like myself, there's nothing more terrified than being visionless. So Catherine, speak to that specific word, visionless. And how did you get over that terrifying visionlessness that you were experiencing to having a vision again? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, part part of being able to get to another vision required having the energy to get to, to vision. And I was so depressed and down on myself that even thinking about having another vision exhausted me in and of itself, even nice. without even knowing what that vision would be in the first place. So I, my first step was really, I took six months to heal and to get out from being under the public eye. And I had a, a close group of friends that led me through my healing. Like I say, they loved me back to life. Um, and I just took downtime and I, I went and did things that other people would probably think are cool. Like I went to the beach, I went to Costa Rica, but I was that was even more depressing for me because sitting at the beach without a vision, <laughs> it is. I don't even want a. Va- I don't want. I don't feel like I deserved a vacation or whatever. I like a vacation if I have a vision. So, but even though I didn't want the downtime for me, I needed it to get myself back together into one piece to get to a place of some strength. And then the se- second half of that year, like because I took a year off, the second half of the year, instead of actually doing something. Um, I took six months to 
to explore what those visions could be. And I played around with all kinds of visions. Um, and I didn't have the money to do this, but I, I ended up getting personal loans with the hope that I would be able to pay them back at some point. You know, some good, some good friends of mine were willing to give me this time, which was very valuable to me. Um, and I wrote, so uh, part of that second six months to really develop my vision once I got a little bit more energy in me, and this was after I moved back to New York, by the way, because I wanted to be around energetic people and feed off of their visions too. Um, I started to explore every model of anything that interested me at all. So anything in social entrepreneurship, anything that was um, transforming the world, I just read everything that I could and then I booked meetings with any leader that I could just to pick their brain to say, I don't know what I'm going to do next. What do you think about these ideas or what do you think my gifts are and what do you think I could do with my gifts? And um, so exploring other models that were inspiring to me gave me ideas, even reading about them. And now, Catherine, you gave me permission in our little pre-interview chat to break in when I felt like I had to. And this is actually one of those moments because I really, again, I don't like too much time to go by without our listeners really being able to sit and, and, and absorb some of the powerful things that you're talking about here. You know, the fact that you were visionless and, and that in and of itself was one of the bigger struggles. And, you know, even taking these vacations, like they felt empty inside because you still were lacking that vision, even the energy. So, you know, you first, Fire Nation, have to take care of yourself. Like, what what are you doing to get that energy back? Are you sleeping? Are you eating right? Are you exercising? You know, these are the trifecta of things that as entrepreneurs we always need to be doing because it all starts with energy. And Catherine, this is where I do want to shift this interview because you told us sure. about that struggling point. Now we're getting into that next phase in your life. But I want you to tell it in a story format again. And this is the aha moment section. So take us to that epiphany moment that you had for that next thing and really tell us that story. This was when I was still at PEP and I thought that my resignation could be around the corner. Stuff was breaking down. I took a trip. This sounds very random, but I took a trip to Rwanda, like Africa. Yeah. And um, I actually got to go into a Rwandan prison there. And this was um, pretty much at the uh, 15 years after the genocide. And so most of the people who were inside that Rwandan prison had been convicted for these atrocious acts that were committed during the genocide. And what my point is here is that these people were convicted of probably the worst and ugliest things that I could ever imagine, like hacking heads off of babies and, um, and women and stuff like stuff that I couldn't even stomach. But what I found happening there inside the Rwandan prison is even people that I had labeled as being beyond God's grace or something that I couldn't stomach, I still had, I found myself having this weird compassion for them and thinking, well, if these people are not equipped to go legit with their lives, like if they're not healed and and equipped to go forward in their lives, what will happen to society? And so it was in a Rwandan prison as I was about to hit my crisis that I thought, regardless of what goes down, I need to keep doing this with my life. Like I have a passion and a calling that I'm so aware of. How can I walk away from this? And it was that aha moment that I kept thinking back to even when I didn't have the energy or I didn't have a real vision of how to achieve it, but I felt like I had to stay true to that calling. So Fire Nation, this is the type of thing that even when things are falling down around you, even when you're thinking that you know, you're coming to the end of something, 
keeping that open mind and always just taking those chances and having those conversations and and thinking about things that need to be thought about in your life's journey can really lead you to things that, you know, again, Catherine experienced, you know, this random trip to, trip to Rwanda, a lot of people be like, that's totally off the map. She'll get nothing out of that ended up having a massive impact on the direction that her life has taken. And I mean, Catherine, let's be honest, like you have a lot of things to be proud of throughout your life because you've done a lot of great things for a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't have had these opportunities. But if you could just take us to the moment that you would consider your proudest entrepreneurial moment, what would that be? Probably when I was at my first nonprofit PEP and it was on a on one of the graduation days and one of them doesn't stand out more than another but uh, only about half of our the the men that we served had graduated from high school had never even been in a cap and gown and many of them had lost relationship entirely with their families and so we would recruit their families to come to the prison to celebrate their graduation and PEP is a very tough rigorous challenging entrepreneurship training program and so we would get them in their caps and gowns, and then I even allowed the warden to, or asked the warden to allow us to get these little teddy bears into the prison, <laughs> and we would have 30 to 50 kids that we had recruited into the prison, and we would tell them, if you see your daddy on stage right now, and he has a teddy bear, that's a gift for you, and these kids would run up, and they would wrap their arms around their dads, and <laughs> the dads would tell them how much they love them, and watching that kind of family reunification and, and a moment of pride and joy in their families. Um, that feels like it's something like that. That is my proudest entrepreneurial moment. It's creating experiences like that of connection. Powerful. And Catherine, let's just kind of continue moving these wheels forward to today, present times. And you and I were chatting about some really exciting things that are happening in the Bay Area with a company that a couple people have heard of called Google. Can you kind of share with our listeners right now the one thing that has you most fired up today? Yeah, sure. So um, we, uh, so I built Defy in New York City and our recidivism rate is only 3%. Our employment rate is 95%. We've incubated 71 companies in New York City and um, this is great but one of my mentors uh, kicked my butt about a year ago and he said, well, this is a drop in the bucket compared to the need in this country. So what are you doing to scale this? So in 2014, um, in March, we started to roll out a new blended learning model where we basically switched a lot of our teaching into an online training format. And we're not only an online program, we still have in-person application and we have these business plan competitions, but switching our on our, our education into an online training format has been revolutionary for Defy. And, um, in 2014, we served 172 people, which was a threefold increase for us. And next year, in 2015, we plan to serve um, we plan to serve a thousand, and we are now national because we have a distance learning program. So we're already serving people in nine states, and we plan for next year 500 of them to be in the California Bay Area because through a partnership with Google. We're expanding massively. We're also starting to offer our online training courses to people inside prison so that they can start their training while they're on the inside. Um, and a another huge exciting thing for us is that we recently switched. We're a 501c3 nonprofit that has relied on the, the 
goodness of donors. Um, but this year we switched to a tuition model. Uh, so it's earned income for us. And that has been hugely successful. And we will be financially self-sustaining by 2017. So these are all really big changes for us that we, um, that we implemented in 2014 that we're going to see the fruit of in 2015. Boom. Love that. Fire Nation, just the progression of what Catherine's built here. I mean, it's inspiring to hear the passion in her voice. And Catherine, we are about to enter the lightning round. But before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Need a quality design but worried about the cost? One of the easiest ways for your design budget to spiral out of control is to start your project without a clear direction. This leads to you and your designer continuously spinning your wheels, frustrated but hoping eventually you'll land on a design that you like. 99designs has helped thousands of businesses around the world get designs that communicate their unique brands. It doesn't matter if you're running a contest with several designers or collaborating with just one. Crafting a thoughtful brief is always the first step to getting a great design. And at 99designs, it's super simple. All you need to do is fill in their online brief form. So what is it that you need? Boost your brand's visibility with a t-shirt or drive more traffic with a sleek new banner ad or landing page. Project started just $199 and your happiness is always 100% guaranteed. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. 99designs.com slash fire. Have you ever spent an incredibly long time working on a blog post, a design template for your email newsletter, or on a recording for your next podcast episode? Then you know how much time and care goes into every single piece of content you create. And can you imagine how many pieces of content you've stored on your precious, priceless computer drive? A lot. That's why I cringe at the thought of losing all my work when I know I don't have to take that risk. In a blink of an eye, everything could be wiped away. But it's incredibly easy to back up your data and projects with the help of Backblaze Online Backup. So why not just do it? Backblaze not only offers an easy backup solution that's affordable, it also offers something much, much bigger. Peace of mind. And you and I both know, as entrepreneurs, we can always use a little peace of mind. Ready to get your backup on? Listeners can get a free trial, no credit card required, by going to backblaze.com slash fire. That's backblaze.com slash fire. Catherine, welcome to the lightning round, where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? That sounds good. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Fear. What is the best advice you've ever received? To go big or go home. That what I was doing was good, but that it was a drop in the bucket. So to stretch my mind, even though I didn't see the future, um, to stretch my mind on how to start solving this problem in a much more efficient way. Share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success. I report to a business coach on a daily basis on my personal vital signs, um, which I, I measure everything every day, like how many hours I sleep, um, how many emails I have in my inbox, which is part of my sanity, whether I work out, whether I do my quiet time. And like every month, I take at least one, what I call a monk day, which is a quiet day, no email, no phone, so that I can think and create. A monk day. I love that. Catherine, do you have an internet resource like Evernote that you can share with our listeners? 
I don't use anything very fancy. I, I'm, I'm a fan of all Google things. All things Google. And Catherine, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Uh, there's a book called Switch, and the, subject, the subtitle is How to Change Things When Change is Hard by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. And I'm a big fan of it because I'm always trying to uh, change and improve things. And uh, so this book helped me to break through. Yeah, Chip and Dan have written a slew of amazing books. And Fire Nation, if you love audio, which I know you do, you can get an amazing audio book like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Catherine, this next question's been stressing you out a little bit, but it is the last of the lightning round. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Okay, so I I am a cold caller and a salesperson, and I'm not shy about picking up the phone and calling anyone. So I used to even sell Cutco knives as a teenager. So I would cold call and cold email. I guess I would use the $500 to buy a phone of sorts, and I would call and email every influential person I possibly could and meeting with them to tell them about my vision for changing this world to make sure that I got further support to do it. There you go, Catherine. And let's end today on fire with you sharing just one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. Our website is defyventures.org, D-E-F-Y, defyventures, like define the odds.org. And uh, my, my personal, my email is cat at defyventures.org. It's C-A-T, not K-A-T, C-A-T at defyventures.org. And if anyone listening to this would like to be involved with Defy, we have life-transforming opportunities for our volunteers. We've recruited 2,500 executives to serve as volunteers, as judges in business plan competitions that are held at venture capitalist office. Um, we have a distance mentoring program where you can mentor through Skype or remotely by phone to really transform an entrepreneur's life, someone who's going through our program and wants to become an entrepreneur. So we would love to recruit people as sponsors and judges and as mentors. In a parting piece of guidance. Don't let fear hold you back from from achieving your dreams. One of my, um, this is going to sound so basic, but when I used to work in private equity and I was talking with one of my colleagues about wanting to jump ship to start my business and I was like coming up with all these excuses and the fear associated with it, with it, he said, he looked me in the eye and he's like, every day that you are not living out what you think that you should be doing is a wasted day of your life. So I guess that's the advice that I would... (laughs) Love it. Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And you have been hanging out with Catherine and myself today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Type Catherine in the search bar. Her show notes page will pop right up. And Kat, Thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. And for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much. Webinaronfire.com. 
Fire Nation. In less than one year, we have made over a million dollars on live webinars. In our free webinar workshop, I reveal the simple eight-step process that will have you creating and presenting webinars that convert in no time flat. You will learn the pros and cons of live and recorded webinars, the best platforms to use, and there's video training of how I set up my webinars in less than three minutes for free and with unlimited attendees. Visit Webinar on Fire today to claim your spot. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite.